Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kedge Martin, who is a leadership development expert at Ispahani Advisory. Kedge has 30 years experience of strategy and operational leadership spanning business, politics, family offices, and philanthropy across the UK, Europe, and Africa. She's a trusted advisor and coach to family business owners, focusing specifically on the next generation. Kedge curates, designs, and implements tailored programs from leadership development and long-term family reconciliation programs to individual preparations to enter the family business. Today, Kedge will be speaking on the topic of the next generation, preparing for responsibility in a reshaped world. I'm Kedge Martin, and I'm delighted to be presenting to Standard Bank's clients today about preparing for responsibility in a reshaped world. We're living in a time of extraordinary heightened anxiety. The human cost of the COVID-19 outbreak continues to mount, with nearly 28 million cases confirmed globally and more than 900,000 people known to have died. Regardless of age, social economic groups and borders, this period has focused everyone on their own mortality and the value of life's most precious and non-renewable resource, time. In Africa, whilst the number of COVID-related deaths has been much lower than anticipated, the impact of closed borders, shut businesses, schools and shops, and lockdown citizens is likely to cause financial carnage, spiralling epidemics of other diseases, the intensification of gender and wealth inequalities, and the battle against poverty being set back by decades. Even before COVID, the world was becoming increasingly fractious with growing political and economic instability. History serves as a reminder of the disruption that occurs when tensions overheat and revolutions happen. Borders may be withdrawn and wars can develop. Just over 60 years ago, the Cuban revolution changed the course of history in South America. 20 years earlier, it was the Nazi German invasion of Europe the persecution of Jews and more than 70 million deaths. However, there are more options today to diminish the impact of big geopolitical changes via thoughtful asset protection strategies developed in the arena of international dispute resolution between sovereign countries. And this is to be welcomed. However, the greatest threat to successful wealth transition between generations is the human. During the past few months under lockdown, Many families have been unexpectedly forced to spend time together. For some, it has led to the creation of new and positive relationships, fresh perspectives and increased understanding. Some families, however, have found the imposed domestic changes, whether living together or isolated, have simply exacerbated the irritations and often suppressed discord that was already present. And for others, this has been an extraordinarily unimaginably difficult time being unable to be with family at those critical times, birth and death. Feedback from many of the younger generations I work with has been varied. For some, this time has been frustrating, limiting, infuriating, discombobulating, with many feeling a more intense and urgent desire to do something, make changes and improvements in both their personal and professional lives, but also looking more actively at how they can make an impact on the world and doing it now. Their question is how and where do you start? History shows that 70% of family wealth is often lost in two generations. 
90% lost in three. A recent study reported that more than half the next generation of family business leaders are worried they will lose the capital their family has created, and almost half are worried their own children will lose that wealth. For many next gens, there is significant pressure to not only avoid losing the wealth families have created, but pressure to maintain and grow it. Whilst the majority of families have traditional estate planning structures in place, these are often quantitative and closed processes, driven by the wealth creator, with a focus on fiscal and legal structures. A succession plan and governance structure focusing on the human, the people capital, in addition to the financial capital, is critical for sustainable success. Early on in the lockdown, the patriarch of one family we work with suffered an unexpected and fatal aneurysm, his wife having to arrange and then attend the funeral, all alone in Geneva, with the service webcast to their children and grandchildren in Canada and South Africa. Although a most tragic situation, the wife recently commented to me that the whole period had gone incredibly smoothly, as not only their financial and governance structure was robust, but that their family capital, which they had been investing heavily in over the past few years, spending time building communications and trust, was so strong. Their family unit, whilst geographically disparate, was extraordinarily robust, and they were all pulling together, albeit remotely. So where do you start? Because personalities, generational perspectives, attitudes and behaviours are inevitably very different, this can be a very difficult process to begin. The most important steps in developing a family governance structure is that each member of the family is engaged across the generations. Working with our clients, we develop a plan with clear goals, often undertaking individual discussions before arranging family retreats. The engaging next-gen programmes are of course different for every family, but often cover family heritage and culture, belonging, contributing, sharing responsibility, decision-making, communications, values and purpose. The latter three, the foundation stones of a robust and sustainable family governance structure. Whilst family retreats generally take place face to face, the continuing COVID-19 landscape with social distancing and travel restrictions has led us at Ispahani Advisory to develop digital, interactive and online family retreats. These family retreats follow the same formats and structure as in person, but enable participation from family members across the world in a safe and secure environment. Each family retreat is designed around the specific needs of the family and begins with a consultation with the wealth owner as to their objectives. Individual and private discussions with other members of the family to understand their perspectives too are also key prior to designing the final programme. A retreat may simply be information sharing around wealth and asset protection plans, an explanation of vehicles and structures, especially important for the next gen to understand the whole picture and their relationship, responsibilities and choices within that structure. Or retreats may be focused more around the family business. Today's environment is prompting many families to take stock and review what has made the family successful in the past 
and what needs to be done to, in, to ensure success and enhance value in the unsettling times ahead? What are the strategic challenges and long-term objectives for, for the business? Or retreats may be more consultative and collaborative programmes, encouraging contributions from all members of the family on specific projects, whether those are people development, philanthropic and more. And there are often particular, challenging and sometimes urgent issues a family is facing. This may be the onboarding or integration of a new member of the family, a spouse who may be required to have a high-profile role and needs fast-track learning about the business, the family, as well as also a support structure to help them in their new position. Or it may be a family disagreement, which might be better resolved through a curated retreat rather than direct to the lawyers. In every case, well-designed and excellently coordinated retreats, which may be half a day or modules over a period of time, provide a safe and structured space for families to explore current priorities and address future issues and develop the all-important family and individual plans. Simultaneously to holding family retreats focused around core themes, a commitment to individually and collectively working on communications, values and purpose are, as I've mentioned before, the key foundation stones to a successful and sustainable family governance structure. Intergeneration communications is key. However, this is often not straightforward as generations have vastly different habits and behaviours. The openness and sharing of today's generation across social media is so very different to their parents and grandparents, often hierarchical and more private communication. Sometimes I'm asked if a more flat, open and vulnerable approach does not encourage disrespect. My sense is that respect is earned by behaviour, not by age, although age and experience is due respect. And that an openness, a sharing of history and experiences, creates much greater trust, respect and understanding. The reality is that if you were to open anyone's heads, their concerns, regardless of their age and stage on the conveyor belt of life, would be exactly the same, but of course with different intensity at different times. We think and we worry about our family, our friends, our tribe, our financial, mental and physical health, what work we do, how we spend our time, and what is our purpose, our why. I was speaking recently with a client of mine in his 60s. He told me that during the enforced period away from the office, he spent considerable time reflecting and reading. One of the books he chose to read was Dearly Departing, the best-selling book by the palliative care nurse Bronnie Ware, which highlights the five regrets of the dying. A bit morbid, wasn't it, I asked him. But no, he was seeing the future through a whole new lens and wanted to make some significant changes. I asked him what had been particularly pertinent. He replied, really everything. Probably the, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me, resonated the loudest. I have responsibilities which have been passed down to eldest sons through the generations, and I wouldn't wish any of them away. I just wish I'd taken the time and maybe simply be brave enough to find myself, the real me within the role I was given, rather than simply playing the role. 
He said, I will encourage my son and give him the space now to develop his own persona and find his core purpose before he takes on the mantle. Communicating is a key skill, whether with a spouse, a parent, a professional colleague, a child or an advisor. With the families I work with, engaging the next generation requires a more proactive and open communication. A shift from parent-child authority relationship to adult to adult and actively engaging next gen from an early age on more advanced, complex and strategic decisions. After communications, the next most important thing in families is to understand each other's values. As Roy Disney said, it's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. Values are the ideas, things and priorities that are important to you. They are basic, yet often difficult to identify, as we're not consciously aware of them. But for every individual, they are critical to clarify, in order to understand what drives and motivates you. Values act as our compass. They put us back on course every day and are the foundations to achieving a successful career and a happy, fulfilling life. For a family, working through individual and shared values provides the opportunity to understand each other and find common ground. For organisations too, values are the essence of a company's existence. They influence strategic decisions, assist employees in understanding the company's goals and help customers choose between brands and build loyalty. However, whilst many businesses have articulated values, today offers an opportunity to reflect how they, these might change given where we are now and how they're relevant to the next gen. Engaging the next gen in reviewing what are the priorities, what the business stands for and how does it act on those values is critical for success. Families who are clearer on their values and whose governance frameworks embed and endorse these values become more successful in holding their family and business together. Someone I once worked with commented that the worst day of his life was on his 18th birthday. His parents said, happy birthday, here's your trust fund. It literally blew his mind for some time and threw him onto a path of self-destruction, no longer having any motivation, having to deal with a shift of attitude from childhood friends, and a sudden interest from new acquaintances who exploited his vulnerabilities. This is a rather extreme example of the potential negative impact of wealth and certainly lack of planning and preparation and poor communication. A few years on, now aged 32, he's through that and on a happier path, but it has taken time to connect with his core self outside of his wealth and find his right path. I'm sure many of you will know Simon Sinek, Start With Why, the third most viewed TED Talk. The why is the purpose, cause or belief that drives every organisation and every person's individual life and career. People who know their why live congruently with the real them. It's like a river finding the right path or flow. For those who live with what can be the significant pressure of family wealth, finding one's own path and purpose within all the external noise and challenges, responsibilities and opportunities is critical. A well-known next gen recently had a very difficult and public matter arise with one of his parents. He commented that this is one of those very challenging moments 
where I'm reminded of how little control we have over where we come from and the legacy we inherit. We can only control where we choose to go. Choosing where you want to go means finding out what you want to do with this one precious life of yours, of course within the context of your responsibilities. Families and business together have an especially powerful motivation to govern themselves well. They hold shared interests, often including significant capital investments, prospects for the future employability of themselves and their children, and the reputation of a family business in its community. The need for professionalism increases with each generation as the business grows and becomes more complex. There are privately owned family businesses where the owners operate purely as well-informed shareholders and the business is led by a non-family chief exec and an executive leadership team. In others, particularly in emerging markets, family members are often expected to be more visibly involved, particularly if the family name and business brand are synonymous. Relative to previous generations, today's generation has much greater access to high levels of education, training and networking platforms for discussions. Many take business degrees, MBAs, and work for several years outside their family business in order to get the experiences needed to take things in the right direction. However, despite formal education and extensive experience, transition into the family business is not always easy. One Malaysian family business we work with expressly articulates their commitment to gender equality in the workforce but has only, after much contention, accepted their first female next-gen into the organisation. Her brothers were prepared from a young age to join the company, but it is only after many discussions and heated arguments that they've accepted their first female next-gen into the business. Her challenges have not only been the family attitudes, but the resentment of the management team, who are finding having to report to a female member of the family very difficult to swallow. Historically, business succession planning questions have focused on the technical aspects, primarily revenue, tax, legal structure, ownership and valuation. In today's environment and the perspective and needs of the next generation, questions around what is the real business culture? How do we develop our leaders? Where do we make an impact? What are our values are key? We're living through a period of great uncertainty and that shoulders a burden on many next-generation business leaders to protect and grow a successful family legacy. Pressure to diversify from established industries as certain sectors struggle will test the strength of many next-generation business owners. As one next-gen recently commented, the businesses which will fare best and grow, regardless of the economic backdrop, are those managed by people who have a genuine interest in the industries and sectors their families operate in. Engaging family members who have the skills, but not the interest, is a great risk. It's very important when engaging members of the family within the family business that not only do they have the competences and skills, but the interest and motivation too. Once the basic mechanisms have been put in place to manage the relationships between family and business, Many families look for other ways to enhance the lives and careers of family members and perpetuate the family legacy. But where and how to make an impact? There are so many needs in the world. The UN's Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, provide a blueprint 
to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. But the key is to identify your personal and family's interest. What is the change you would like to see in the world? This could be working or focusing on one of the SDGs like no poverty. More than 700 million people live in extreme poverty. Or zero hunger. A third of the world's food is wasted, yet 821 million people are undernourished. Good health and well-being. Vaccinations have made a significant impact in saving lives. Just last month, the World Health Organization declared that Africa was free of the virus that causes polio, a landmark in a decades-long campaign to eradicate the most notorious disease. Quality education. 670 million children, adolescents, lack minimum proficiency in maths and literacy. Or it could be gender equality. One family I work with is focused on sustainability. Each family member commits to making their own small changes in their lives, but together they are spending time researching where are the areas which collectively they could make the biggest impact on. The WhatsApp group is full of incredible information from across the globe, sharing ideas and motivation, and soon they'll come up with a big, big plan. Another family I work with has quarterly meetings focused on their individual and collective impact. Some have chosen particular themes and are actively involved, but the younger siblings, Jodie, aged eight, and five-year-old Amy, are also part of the discussions. At a recent meeting, the eight-year-old wanted to start a koala bear farm, and the five-year-old wanted to provide free sweets for everyone who couldn't afford them. Instead of seeing these ideas as absurd or outside the core values of the family, they were encouraged to explore a little more about exactly how, what they wanted to see and how they might make that happen. Listening with respect to all family members and allowing them the opportunity to express their ideas, however naive and inappropriate they might seem to the educated elders, provides the safe space for the younger generation to explore ideas and feel that they're taken seriously. Who knows where little Amy's ideas might range and the impact she might have when she hits maturity, has access to her wealth and still has wild impossible goals. Inevitably, the philanthropic path, like any other, has bumps in the road. One next-gen I worked with wanted to support the most disadvantaged children in Lesotho. Though very well-intentioned, the initial programme came up against a number of high-profile obstacles. Whilst there were many people, including family members, encouraging him to give up on his dream, the risks were too high. He learned from the challenges and continued, constantly evolving and improving the programme, ignoring the naysayers, and now he is making an extraordinary impact on many thousand young lives in Lesotho and Botswana. Understanding individual family members' strengths and interests and motivations is key to helping them succeed. For more exploration, there are a number of excellent next-gen networks, including Generation Pledge and Nexus, and wise philanthropic advisors, including my colleague Caroline at Ispahani Advisory, who provides the space to explore and identify potential collaborations to take you further towards the impact you'd like to see. Even at a very, very low level, one or two dollars, family members can be encouraged to make small impacts. 
One of the best vehicles of this is the global movement of business for good, B1G1. Contributions at the smallest level from pocket money make an impact and help develop interest and knowledge in philanthropy from an early age. Even if you're not ready for the commitment to an individual or family philanthropic journey, you can still start with the conversation to explore small changes within the family business or investments, which can lead towards significant positive change. One of these is applying the circular economy thinking to family business and wealth, is based on the principle of transforming waste into something useful, reducing pollution, keeping products and materials in use, and regenerating natural systems. There are very many ways you can make a small difference. I'm often asked by my clients how other next gens see themselves. So I'll share a few examples now. One next gen said it's best explained as being next in line on the conveyor belt of life. You're not yet on the front line, but you're coming up behind. You might be involved with the family business or taking responsibilities for some of the family's assets. But there is an air of expectation as to how things will be very, very different when you do take over or when you do inherit. Generally, that means when the patriarch or matriarch dies, which inevitably, at whatever stage or in whatever circumstance, is a period of intense trauma and disruption. Another next gen commented that it's like being on the top of Mount Everest. It's like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so fortunate, incredible. But there's also a nagging awareness that you were bought there by helicopter. It wasn't through your own merit. And probably the only way is a down, down is a downward slide. You may never reach the heights your forebears achieved. You can only ever disappoint. Another told me that whilst he enjoyed the benefits of the wealth created by his forebears, it was shared with an element of guilt and shame as the origins of their wealth come from activities and behaviours that are no longer acceptable. And many share with me a deep frustration and impatience to change things, but they feel that they do not have the skills or the influence to do so. It's important to really recognise and address the things that hold us back, which may be real or imagined, in order that we can get to where we need to go. There are nearly 8 billion people on this planet, and one of them watching this video right now is you. The key is to find your why. What is it that drives you? What strengths and natural abilities do you have? What skills and interests can you build upon? In order to be truly happy and successful, we need to be working with who we truly are, rather than an idea as to who or what someone else thinks or expects we should be. As Marianne Williamson wrote, sometimes misattributed to Nelson Mandela as he used it in one of his speeches, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is estimated that approximately $60 trillion will be passed down to the next generation over the next 30 years. This provides an extraordinary opportunity to use wealth to affect positive change in the world. Whilst working out one's own why, it's so important that we can play to our strengths and core self. Family and community is vital too. Given the many demands on our limited time, 
building individual plans and a cohesive and connected family plan takes commitment and expert guidance. Thank you for sharing your expertise, Kedge. That brings us to the end of this video series in our phenomenal family series. Thank you for joining us and don't miss our next session when Melissa Duffy from KPMG will be discussing wealth tax. Goodbye, until then.